Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. This is episode number 89, Building a Thriving Marriage After You've Been Punched in the Face with my guest, Seth Studley. We go deep today talking about being able to work things out with your partner when everything appears to be falling apart, why it's critical to stop looking for reasons to leave and instead start building trust, realizing that your partner will look for ways to see if you've truly changed, why you should avoid using the words always and never when arguing with your partner, why it's vital to be intentional in your marriage, why being a lone wolf can be exhausting for a man, and why you should find a band of brothers to connect with, the importance of always expressing gratitude and appreciation to your partner and children, the need to prioritize yourself, your wife, and then your children rather than the other way around, and of course, Seth's story about being punched in the face. Seth Studley is a licensed marriage and family therapist, men's coach, and marriage expert. For the last 15 years, he has been dedicated to helping men heal from their past, lean into their strengths, and build a life and legacy they can be proud of. Seth holds space for his clients to become more open with themselves and their partner. He dives deeper into the things that bring his clients fulfillment as men, husbands, and fathers, and he strives to create a work-life balance that won't burn them out at the end of the day. Seth is dedicated to the growth and progress of his clients, working hard to ensure that they get the most from their coaching time with him. Seth follows a holistic model of coaching and leans into the importance of all-around wellness, bringing in elements like exercise, journaling, diet, accountability, and more. You can find Seth online at his website, anatomyofus.com, on Instagram at Seth Studley, or you can listen to his podcast, Anatomy of Us, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right, guys, we're going to jump into this one. I'm extremely excited to have Seth on today. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed what I was seeing from Seth with the content that he puts out. And it was really great to hear that he has both a personal story and the professional expertise to bring to this. Not many people can put those two things together. So I'm very excited to have Seth with us today. I want to ask you guys a quick favor. Literally, it will take you five to 30 seconds. If you listen on Spotify, could you leave us a quick rating? If you listen on Apple, would you leave us a rating and even a review? That's the 30 second option. Literally, guys, this is the best way for us to get this work into the hands of more men. There's something about the rating algorithm and Apple and Spotify that if you get the reviews, it shows up for more guys. I don't know about you, but I want to live in a world that has more fathers doing this type of work to support their families, their children, and literally the future of the entire world. So if you want to live in that world too, something quick you can do to help that out is just leave us a quick rating and review. Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to the podcast, would very much appreciate that. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, that is where I am most active. If you'd like to learn more and get more tips, becoming a better man, husband, and father, follow me on Instagram, dadwork.curt, D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. Find me there. Anyway, that being said, let's jump in episode number 89 now with Seth Studley. Here we go. All right, dads, we are back with another episode of the Dadwork Podcast. I'm here today with Seth Studley, who has some sick tattoos. He got some sick art behind him. And uh, I'm just pumped to talk to you today, man, because I, I think I found you on Instagram and then I looked at your website. It's like, oh, this guy doesn't like pull any punches. Yeah. And he's got this incredible story about speaking of punches, getting punched in the face. Yeah. And I want to start there because it's like, you must tell it all the time, but it's so good. And it just paints this picture of where you're coming from yeah. and sort of gives you, at least for me, a little bit more like personality and some humanity to be like, man, you're working on this too, even though you are, uh, you know, like what is your, what is your actual title? Like a licensed a, marriage? A licensed marriage and family therapist. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, man. Like, th- there's just so much. But could you bring us back to the oh, dark yeah. days of being punched in the face? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, you. they were a dark day. They were very dark days. So my wife and I have been married for 17 years. And like you said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and have been in practice, private practice and agency work for about 15 years now. And this was early on in our marriage. We were, we were married about, well, actually, I was in graduate school. To, to become a, a therapist. And we had just had our second kid and my wife had some postpartum stuff going on. And we were probably about, I don't know, five years into marriage. And, you know, we would just fight. And the way that we fought was just bitter. It wasn't, it, it wasn't fair to either one of us and just fought all the time, right? And we never really wanted to get a divorce. So she had, obviously, we, we had just had a, another little kid. She was postpartum, so there's all the stress that, uh, you know, we, we, well, she had and I had with postpartum depression, another kid. So we have, you know, an 18-month-old and now a brand new kid. 
And I was in graduate school. I had three jobs. So we had a lot of stressful stuff going on. And uh, at the time, we had seen this thing um, talking about like um, how truthful are you to your spouse and stuff. And it was talking about pornography and stuff like that. And like most guys, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I don't want to admit that to my wife, you know, and she just kind of on the spot, she's like, hey, do you struggle with that stuff? And I, you know, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I was like, no, I'm cool. You know, kind of like most typical guy stuff is like white knuckle it. We don't want to tell the truth about that stuff because it's embarrassing. It's, you know, you don't want to hurt your wife's feelings, right? For most guys don't. A good husband doesn't want to hurt their wife's feelings on a good day. Um, And I was like, no, I'm cool. And then I just felt, you know what? I just lied to my wife. That wasn't cool. I don't want to be in, I don't, that's not good for a relationship, right? So I went back to another, I said, you know, hey, I lied. I have been struggling with these things, right? And she just kind of lost it. She was postpartum, right? And so about two weeks after that, we were still fighting every night. Just like our lives were just a living hell, right? Like fighting until 2 a.m. every morning, miscommunication, hurt feelings, saying all this stuff. And then I come home one day and my stuff is in a pile. I'm like, hey, what's this kind of going on? And she was outside. And uh, actually, I don't I haven't I don't include this part much, right? So we were kind of standing face to face, just like talking. She was, you know, she was upset, and she tried to like kick me in the nuts, right? So I blocked it, right? Just kind of that that instinctual stuff that most guys do, and boom, uh, she came around with a right hook, and it I swear it just landed so solid, like more solid than I've ever been punched in the face before. And I was just shell-shocked. I'm like, no, nobody gets married to think, oh, my wife will maybe eventually punch me in the face. Nobody thinks that on their wedding day. Nobody thinks about any of that stuff, right? It's like Mike Tyson. You know, we all have a plan until we get punched in the mouth or punched in the face. And so, boom, I got punched in the face. Here I was, two kids, married five or six years, and studying to be a marriage and family therapist. So that was a huge wake-up call for me. And that was just a really big deal. I just kind of walked away. I was like, what is going on? What is this? And I had a lot of thinking to do after that. Now, I'm not condoning domestic violence, obviously, in any way. But that punch that she gave me was a wake-up call for me and also a wake-up call for her. Like, what even she has said in, in past podcast interviews, what did I do? Like, I was so wrong for that. Like, so, so wrong. And then, so fast forward, literally about a year and a half our next two years, our next year and a half was a lot of growth mindsets, a lot of living hell, but we decided, hey, what are we doing? What is going on? I didn't want to get a divorce. She didn't want to get a divorce, but we didn't know what to do. So we just looked at each other and finally woke up. And we were also going to counseling at the time. Finally woke up and said, oh, you, this is us saying it to each other, you are not responsible for my contentedness, my happiness, or who I am as a person, right? And prior to that time in our lives, we were looking to each other to, why aren't you making me happy? I'm not happy. I'm not content. What's it must be you. It's your fault kind of thing. So there's just this back and forth. So that was the really, the actual birth of us going, oh, shit. I, I have more control than I think I do. I don't need to look to you for happiness, love, content, all that stuff to be happy. First, I find it myself, and then we build it together. And that's what we were lucky enough to do to, to start the process of. And now we walk couples through that every single day. Man, that is such a good segue into everything. Because it's like, look, you're not just like doing this from your desk. You're not like, oh, yeah, tell me about your problems. And like, I don't even know what those are about, but I'm going to like just therapize you anyway. It's like, no, 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 I've gone through this. And it was pretty bad. So I I love that you shared that. And thank you for being so candid, honestly. Um, I've got a bunch of questions, but now I'm just curious because Mm -hmm. I felt as though I... Uh, went through similar process with my wife, you know, thankfully without the, the black eye, but Mm -hmm. it was just like one of those things where we were not going to get a divorce. And I think that was because, you know, both of our parents had got divorces. It was just one of those things we Mm -hmm. came into this, like we will work this out regardless. And 
I talk to people every day who's like, yeah, we were like that, but we just couldn't make it work. There was something in us that was like, we triggered each other so bad. We, mm-hmm. what I like to say, trauma bonded, you know, our, yeah. our inner child were reaching out to each other and then just triggering the hell of each other. Yeah. And I wish that I could say it was xyz which led us to staying together and now thriving after 10 years Mm -hmm. but like that's one of those things that i don't know man is it just my personality so could do have you figured out in your life what it was that actually kept you working because for so many men it can just be easier to be like it's not working i'm gonna quit so what was it about you if you know that made you stay with it you know that I'm going to just speak to a point on these said like so many men just go, ah, you know, I can quit. Like I remember I had conversations with my mom because I, you know, talked to my parents a lot about this when we were going through the stuff. And I was like, you know what? And this is almost verbatim. I was like, I wish that she would cheat on me so I could have a reason to be like, peace out. You blew it. I'm done kind of thing. Right. And she wishes the same thing. She was trying to, or she was actually unconsciously or, or um, uh, subconsciously trying to sabotage the marriage because there was we both had so much hurt and it would have been easier for her to say, oh, see, he walked out on me. He left me, but she was treating me like crap the whole time, you know? So, we, but both of us decided, okay, just in the back of my mind, sometimes it was the smallest spark. Other times it was like shining, bright shining as the sun. In the back of my mind, I was like, I did not get married to get a divorce. I, I'm, I've always been like growth mindset. Like if I put my mind to this, I, I actually can do whatever I want to do. And that was one of these things. I was like, okay, I'm not giving up. I'm going to just hound dog this until it works. And that's what I did. And luckily, that's what brought her. That was one of the things that brought her back. She was like, this guy's serious He's been consistent on what he said he was going to do. He's doing what he said for, I don't know, the repair time was like a year and a half, two years. And that was one of the things that brought her around. Of course, she didn't want a divorce either deep down, but both of us know without a shadow of a doubt that it would have been 8 million times easier to be like, all right, peace out. I'm out of here, you know, and not really thought anything of it. Our kids were super young. You know, one was just born. One was only 18 months or maybe 22 months old. They would have had a fine life, you know, like d- divorce isn't the end of the world. I'm not condoning it or like not, not, I'm not damning it either, but the kids would have been fine, but that was just something that we did not want. And one of the things that she says, she says, you know what? I didn't want my kids to grow up without a dad because she married me. She, she loved me. There was a lot of great things about me. She didn't want my kids to miss out on that or her kids to miss out on that, you know, and likewise, I didn't want my kids, our boys at the time, to like not have a mom around, to not have that nurturing love thing that only a mom can do. Um, so yeah, one, one, I just kind of like dug my heels in, but not in a stubborn way, but a, like a very determined way. If there's a difference there, you know, I wasn't weird. I wasn't a jerk. I was like, no, we're not doing this. We're, you know, going to ride it to the wheels fall off. Maybe instead it was a loving way. It was like a loving determination, a loving steadfastness that I was like, that's not an option. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you want to take the island, you got to burn the boats. And I had never even heard that statement, you know, until just a couple of years ago, but that was the mindset that I had. I'm like, okay, nothing else matters. This has to be repaired, built a thousand times better and has to be thriving. And that's, that's what we both did. Thankfully, we both did that at the same time. Mm, that's amazing, man. And good for you. That's such, um, so inspiring to hear that. And mm-hmm. what comes up for me is like this, um, I, I did go through similar things insofar as like I was the aggressor might not be the right word, but like the, the one who was making things terrible mm-hmm. in the family. And obviously we both have some responsibility for that, but I see that my anger, my, you know, need for control, all of these unprocessed emotions in me was leading me to be quite a bad husband and father. And it was quite a long process. I've talked a lot on this podcast about that process, but there came a point where I had legitimately changed and I had initiated myself into manhood and healed a lot of my wounds. And clearly that's ongoing. But there was this time and I was like, I'm good now. And she's like, yeah, right. Like mm. you just got, you got five, six years of evidence against you, buddy. Mm-hmm. P- you know, prove it, show me. And so what I ended up going through, and I wonder if this is similar in your sort of like repair period that you mentioned that year and a half ish that it was, um, I felt like I was challenged 
even more when I was like so-called fixed, you know, I was like, oh, everything's going to be great. I can love openly. I'm more calm. Like this should be a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, I'm going to do everything I can to test your resolve. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if you see that coming up a lot because I, I warn guys about that just from anecdotal experience. But is this a thing that you see as well in marriages where one party says they've changed, but then there's like this test to really solidify that rebuilding of trust? Yeah. And I think, I mean, that happens with all kinds of stuff. Uh, like you, you can make a big payday kind of thing like, oh, I got a $100,000 bonus or whatever. Yeah, we're good. We're good. But that eventually runs out unless you invest that money or continue doing the things that's got you to that point. Like Tony Robbins says, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So we, my wife and I also do high-performance marriage coaching, right? And here's how it goes. So we work with clients for a minimum of 90 days. And usually... Depending on who calls in, who really want is advocating for the couple to do uh, high performance marriage coaching, let's just say okay, it's the wife, right? So the wife, you know, we start meeting as couples. Um, we we focus, kind of kick the kick the husband's ass for a while, you know, and he makes really marked changes, right? And then the wife has to adjust to those changes like, okay, who who are you? Where's my husband kind of thing? And then the focus is on what the wife has been contributing to the problem, right? And so it's like, uh, oh, now it's her fault. And then like this this other process. So one one person changes, right? The other person sees that change. Now the the spotlight is on them to change. Now they're both have some degree of change. And that's when the that's when it gets harder. That's when it gets more difficult. That's when you really have to dig in and lean on the work that you've done and then not take for granted the work that you've done and then really focus on, okay, we're making progress. We're making progress. We cannot just sit back because that's so many couples like get to this point and go, see, she's the same. He's the same. They're never going to change kind of thing. But that is the absolute point where you have to dig in. It's like working out or exercise or anything. Like sometimes the the times when you absolutely do not want to wake up and go run, that is the time you should, you know, like if you're on the, the, the eighth rep of the fourth, fourth set or something, you're doing bench or legs or squats or whatever. You're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. This is hard. You know, your legs aren't blowing out, but this is so hard. That is where the most change happens. And that is where you least want to do it, but that is where you most have to do it. You absolutely have to do that because that's where the change incrementally happens. And same thing with emotional stuff and marriage and stuff. You have to dig in when you don't want to dig in. And trust me, me and Melanie have had so many, you know, 1.30, 2 a.m., 3, 3 a.m. fights of where this is the worst. I hate everything. I don't care. But one of us softens and goes, hey, sit with me. Let's figure this out. And we are so much better because of that. Like that, that two-minute conversation where both our hearts soften and we're like, okay, I'm sorry. I love you, this or that or whatever. It's like that's where the real growth happens. Mm, man, yeah, thank you for sharing that too. That's... um. It brings to mind like this, this idea of fighting you said before, like, you know, the, the two o'clock fights and have you got better at fighting? Is there a way to fight properly or is there a way to repair sooner? Like, which is more important, learning to fight or learning to repair or is it a two way thing? Well, I, th- I think it's both, right? And so communication is a big thing. And Melanie and I talk about a couple things on the show of a, a couple of really quick tips then that couples can do. And one is really get clear on your communication styles, um, what you say, what you don't say. So there's a lot of research, like Dr. John Gottman, a, a researcher down here in the States, um, uh, says to, when, when we say things like you always or you never do this, those are like absolute black and white statements. And usually that puts the other person on like, well, wait a minute, I know exactly of the time when I did do that thing or when I didn't do that thing. So then you're kind of like at an impasse, right? Um, the other thing that he talks about is sarcasm and criticalness never has a good, never, it's not really beneficial at all. It's not beneficial at all to, uh, be sarcastic to your partner or criticize your partner because whenever those things come up, it immediately puts you or the opposite person on the defense. If I was like, you know, yelled at you and said, Kurt, why are you late? You're always late. You're like, what, what is, what is the initial visceral emotion in you? You, you go, okay, 
it's like you brace yourself to defend yourself, right? So soften your stance, like really examine um, your use of uh, critical words towards your partner, sarcasm towards your partner, and the use of always or never, because those four things can really mess up communication and get you stuck in a cyclical pattern of like, we're fighting about the same thing over and over again. But if any, if anyone can eliminate those four words, I bet you, you would see a reduction in fighting and like you would, you would break the pattern in, in that cycle of fighting. Another thing that Melanie and I talk about that's really key in communication is simply asking what the other's expectations are. And we, we tell this to our clients all the time and we use this daily. Well, maybe not daily, but every other day and especially on the weekends when like kids and we're at the house more, right? We say, okay, say you wake up on a Saturday morning and you just ask your partner, Hey, what are your expectations from now until 2 p.m. or something? Well, I was going to cut the grass. I was going to take the dogs on a walk. I have to go to the store to get groceries. I was going to hang out with a friend, whatever. Oh, you didn't tell me those things because I was going to do this and this and this. Oh, let's get on the same page of what your expectations are. And then you can say, so, hey, honey, my expectations were I wanted to go play golf with my buddy because he's in town and then um, go have a beer after that, be home around 3 p.m., and eat supper with you and the kids. Oh, okay, that's fine. So you actually, you're not assuming anything because uh, assuming can act like a vacuum also. Like if I assume that she or he or they are going to do something, um, most likely, I'm more likely than not, I'm wrong. And then the vacuum of what I think they should do or what I expect they should do just comes right in. And that's when also... Uh, communication breaks down and fights occur. So dropping those four things, like I said, sarcasm, critical uh, speech, um, saying never and saying always in, in a fight, and then also asking, hey, what are your expectations for the one, two, three, four hours out. You know, what are ex- what are your expectations for this week? Well, I, I'm slammed all week or like, you know, I don't know. We have Labor Day off down here in the States. We're going to take it. We're going to have a cookout, whatever. It's like being really clear on your expectations. Man, that, that rings so true, but it's so hard if you've never yeah. been brought up in that. And so I think like mm-hmm. a lot of this work is simply, well, a lot of why I like to share this kind of stuff is because so many guys just haven't heard of it. Like I didn't hear of it. It took, it took me like randomly stumbling upon this stuff, like by John Gottman and by all these other guys who are talking about communications, nonviolent communication, all these other books. Mm -hmm. It's like, I didn't even have any, like I never saw my dad do this. I never saw any of the men in my life do this. And it's so basic when I think about my communication style now, it's just like, always be curious, Mm -hmm. you know, like what, what, what are we missing here? What are you expecting? Um, how can I support you? Like, what are you thinking right now? And just going and asking rather than, like you said, making assumptions, because in that spot, I think develops a lot of resentment as well for something that doesn't even exist. It's like, why wouldn't you just ask? And so what do you think it is that stops guys from actually asking or doing this? What do you, what is like the biggest, um, barrier to having guys be like, Oh yeah, this is it. Yeah, well, so you you talked about uh yeah, I never saw my dad do this or other guys do this. So, I'm a family systems trained therapist, right? So, we look at so family of origin, think of your family tree, you know, like you have all these branches, your grandmas, your uncles, your aunties, your brothers, your sisters, your dad, your mom. So, your family of origin, the the family that you grew up in, it doesn't have to be biological. That has been called the university of relationships. In your family of origin is where you learn to do life. Are you a hard worker? Do you have integrity? Uh, Are you lazy? What do you think about money? What do you think about marriage? What do you think about siblings? What do you think about religion, politics? All that stuff you learn from your family of origin. And oftentimes, we, we learn these things unknowingly, unbeknownst to us in our family of origin, we come of age, we have relationships, we get married and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm repeating what I saw, right? And oftentimes, uh, full, I, I believe that most people do the best they can with what they have, barring any kind of psychological stuff going on, right? We all try to do the best we can with what we have, right? So our parents probably, hopefully, try to do the best they can with what they have, and there are going to be some times where like my dad all he saw was yelling so now he yells 
My mom, all she, all she saw was being critical and sarcastic and shutting down. So I'm going to take that and have an amalgamation of, okay, that's what I bring into my marriage, right? But also there's positive things like, oh, my mom was very loving. My dad worked really hard and did a lot of nonprofit work. I'm bringing that into my marriage as well. So family of origin can be the university of relationships. It's where we, ha- it's where we learn how to do relationships and we go to what we know. Right. So, you know, like neuro pathways, all this stuff, we go to what we know. So if I know sarcasm, yelling, shutting down, I'm bringing that straight to my marriage, unless there's some sort of break in the system. Maybe I read a book about growth mindset. Maybe I talked to a, a youth person. Maybe I, you know, had a mentor that I worked with or a teacher that kind of like shook me up, right? And I remember in my 10th grade class, it was a a psychology 101, like in in high school down here. And it was my first introduction in 10th grade into like the power of the mind. And that's, I can really trace that back to my origin story, like being a psychotherapist and like taking a ton of psychology classes in undergrad and grad school. And so it was that one person that kind of helped me go, oh, wait a minute, things are different, right? And then of course, reading books about growth mindset and listening to podcasts, doing what you do. It's like always being curious now. It's like that, that, that thing sparked for me. So I, I would tell listeners who maybe it's a, if it's the first time they've heard about growth mindset, probably not your listeners because I bet they're savvy. Uh, growth mindset, um, uh, family of origin. It's like, okay, think about your mom, your dad, your, your, the, the, the family that you were raised in. How did they do things? How did they talk to one another? How did they communicate? How did they plan? How did they not plan? How did they fight? How did they show love and affection? And if you didn't like any of those, first of all, you have the absolute power to change that. Uh, but first, you have to be aware of it. Like, oh, I don't want to perpetuate this in my family anymore. Let me go out and listen to podcasts, go to counseling, get coaching, read books about this stuff so I can have the tools to affect my marriage in a different way than how I grew up. And guys and, and ladies that do that really find the, the, the most growth and the most satisfaction after they've been doing the work for a while. And is this what you were talking about in the um, note that you sent, which was on intention and how it plays a role in marriage and, and parenting? Because when yeah. I look at this, it's like, I wish that more people would focus on intention rather than inertia right. and get that like click from um, drift. I think it's from Napoleon Hill. It talks about this, like mm-hmm. there's this drift that we all go through, but like you got to click it into intention. And so is this where you're sort of going with that idea? Yes, absolutely. Because, um, there's, there's this one saying, what is it? It's, um, and I think it was on, it was Pirelli tires. It was power is nothing without control, right? So you can have the biggest engine and the most horsepower in the world, but if you don't have appropriate wheels to have that energy go through, then you're just out of control and crazy. You'll drift, you'll do all kinds of stuff, right? So we can learn all these lessons, right? We can read Napoleon Hill. We can read all these growth mindset books, listen to shows. But if we don't have intention, that turns into action around that, then then what what does that do? You know, then we just end up with a huge shelf full of books. Yeah, I've read those, but I haven't done anything uh, from reading those. And then we're most likely in the same spot we are, right? So intention in marriage. So intention in marriage, in my opinion, means that you have to go back and have intention in your own individual life. Like I said at the top of the show, you know, me and Melanie were, were crazy looking at each other for, you know, all the support and the love and all this stuff. But it wasn't until I looked inside and took like a Jocko Willink extreme ownership approach to things and go, oh, I can control much more than I realize I can, right? So I can be intentional around... um all the areas in my body, biopsychosocial and spiritual areas. And when I do that, when I'm intentional around those, what does that translate to? I show up as a better man, husband, father, worker, human in all areas. Why? Because I set the intention because all of us know what it's like to be not intentional, right? With our money, with our diet, with our date nights, with anything. And then what does it end up? We're like, oh, well, I'm 15 pounds heavier, not as much money in the bank and 
me and my wife are just kind of roommates now. None of us want that, right? So if we absolutely focus on intention in a couple of key areas, then if you do that long enough, you'll see these other areas in your life, in your relationships especially, grow to something that you actually can be proud of, something that you can actually say, yes, I like this, I enjoy this. I want to be I want to continue on this path and like you were saying once you like see how it can be it's like you never forget it you're always going to be curious you're always going to be wanting more you know it's like I can't get full enough with all this growth mindset with like being closer to my kids being closer to myself being closer to my wife there's no there's no limit to that why because it's abundant and it's infinite as long as I keep on searching for it and going after and being intentional around it yeah. And one of the things I was going to ask was like, okay, how do we, how do we even do this? You know, you, you start, but then I think you just said the answer, which is, you know, you, once you get a taste, mm-hmm. I don't know how you could stop. At least that's for me. You know, like I got my spreadsheets, I got my notes, I got calendar reminders to check in with parts of my life so that I don't forget. Maybe yeah. it's fitness I'm slacking on, maybe it's relationship, intimacy, whatever, but there are little reminders. But I do think that like, once you just get one sense of, oh my goodness, I'm not just the way I am forever mm-hmm. and I can do something different. That's, I don't know, man, that opens your eyes, but is that just me? Or do you see uh, clients who struggle with that and who need constant reminders? And, and if so, what do you do to get them on that track? Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely not just you. It's me and every single client that I've ever talked to in therapy or coaching wise. So once they see that, you would have to really be checked out emotionally to go, yeah, that one thing was awesome but it's too hard. I'm going to go back to this. You know, like sometimes we have, we may have small breaks. So I, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a, a program called 75 hard. Um, it's pretty popular down here. Anyway, I I've done it three times before and I just started again three days ago and doing things like that. Like I know how great I felt like, you know, midway 75 hard, 35 days in, like I'm looking lean. I have tons of energy. I'm strong. Everything is hyper dialed in, right? And so that's that's kind of like about the 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 tippest toppest level that I that I can get, right? So I know what that feels like, smells like, looks like, tastes like, and I don't want to not be in that. Now you can't <clears throat> you can't just go balls to the wall all the time. It has to be sustainable, right? But that is like a great reset for me. Like, okay, I am never going to forget how amazing I felt emotionally, spiritually, psychologically when I was doing these things, right? Unless you're just super checked out and you're just like, okay, I'm numbing everything out, which other things are having to happen in your life if, if that's the case. But you're not going to forget that. So what do you do? You go, okay, I know how that feels. I want to continue it. What do I need to do? In, in my area. And I've identified um, five main areas. And I have a, a group called the Badass Husband Mastermind. And we talk about these five main areas. And when we are dialed into those five main areas, I find, and I've been doing this work for a minute, that is when we are like hitting our stride and it's, it's a sweet spot, right? So those five areas are body, brain, bank, beliefs, and board. And body has everything to do with body, obviously. Food, diet, sleep, water, sex, movement, all that stuff. Uh, Body, bank, is not only financial assets, but what are you investing your time into? Are you investing your time into Facebook and Instagram and just stuff that is kind of meaningless? Or are you investing your time in uh, your your own your your portfolio your your career your wife your kids your family body bank brain what are we inputting into our brain what podcast are we listening to what content are we consuming what are we reading what are we creating right and then beliefs talks about spirituality and not just spirituality from a religious context but like how do you make meaning of the world? Like, what is your place in the world? Like your spiritual place, right? And again, that's not from a religious context. And then lastly, your board. Who is your board of directors? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? And who are you speaking into the lives of others? You know that saying, I believe it's Zig Ziglar talks about, you are the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. So I want to make sure that my board has a growth mindset, that has accountability, that gives encouragement, that calls people on their bullshit, that kicks each other's ass and is willing to get their ass kicked and have that feedback. And then we grow at the same time. Since I'm the sum of the five people we hang out, I hang out with the most, I want to make sure that all those guys are striving to have that dialed in. And it 
definitely doesn't mean that you have to be perfect all the time. It means you have to be aware of it. You have to be focused on it and intentional and you want growth. You got to be curious about it. How much of what you're seeing in your work comes down to male loneliness? And I ask because your your sort of like badass husband mastermind is amazing, and I'm so glad you're doing that because I like that's the work that I'm doing too. In in a sense, in men's group, you know, mm-hmm. just getting guys together so that we can have a board mm-hmm. at all. And I'm seeing a lot of guys who come into like the first meeting and go. Oh, I didn't even know I needed this. Yeah. Is that a big part of this as well? Because man, that board is so insanely useful for me and I just discovered it and it's been mm-hmm. so long lonely. So like, again, am I alone here? And I don't, I bet I'm not. So could you no. talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's funny because I had one guy, it was like our first, no, it was our second meeting and he was man in the middle in this time. So all the focus was on him and he was like, man, what just happened here was worth the price of admission. I can't believe it. I didn't know that I needed this. And I was like, yes, that's amazing. Because a lot of times here in the West, guys especially grow up with some sort of sense of, okay, in order to make it in this life, I have to not reach out to other people. I have to white knuckle this. And if I don't act like I have it together all the time, then I'm less of a man, a human or whatever, right? And those things aren't true. And when we get with other guys who can validate our experience to go, hey, man, I understand what you're saying. I felt like that too. Am I crazy? Am I the only one? No, you're not the only one, right? We all want belonging. If you're a man or not, it doesn't matter. And I mean, that's just a a moot point there. We all want belonging. We all want to feel like we we are part of a bigger picture and we want relatedness too. You know, it's like, okay, if I have an argument with my wife, Melanie, I want to be able to talk to another guy, preferably guy, because we have a shared experience, obviously, and go and hear him say, nah, man, you're, you're not crazy. I hear what you're saying. Have you thought about this? Or like, yeah, I dealt with this too. I can relate to that. And just that, like, it, it's like, it's like walking downtown somewhere and seeing somebody with like the same band t-shirt on that's your favorite band you know it's like hey man you know you just give a head nod or something like that it's that relatedness piece so when we intentionally build groups and build programs with guys who are invested financially and time-wise which time-wise is much more valuable than than money we can't create more time we can always create more money then we get real growth there, right? We're not just hanging out with high school friends who are still wearing pajamas at 2 2 p.m., you know, playing video games. We're hanging out with other guys who have like minds, like interests. And we're not all the same, of course, but the one through line is I want to grow. I want you to grow. Let's grow together kind of thing. So when we get together like that, it's just like, mind blown. And I don't know about you, but like in high school, I played sports and I had that camaraderie on the teams and stuff, you know, um, you know, for four years, cause that's all high school is, you know, some guys have that in college, my college experience, I didn't play sports in college. Um, so that kind of uh, incrementally went away, you know, and then, Oh, we're married. We have careers. We have kids. It is really hard to find time to go hang out with your buddies like that, you know, much less take a three-hour bus ride or something like we did on high school to an away game or something like that. You're with your friends all the time in that way. But as we get older, those things go away again. So going back to intention, it's not just going to magically happen. You know, like my friends aren't calling me all the time saying, hey, let's hang out. What are you doing? What's going on? I have to be intentional around that and either reach out first or create the the groups of like-minded men um, for, for this for this stuff to happen. It's all about intention. And if you want it, it is out there. You just got to go get it. Yes. And one of the guests on this podcast, David Stegman, he said like, what did he say? I think he said all men uh, crave this type of depth and connection, but nobody ever invites them. And right. so that's what I'm hearing is like, yeah, you you do the inviting, make it so that the other guys in your life are coming to you, make it so you're the mm-hmm. one reaching out. And like, for me, sometimes that gets annoying. I'm going like, oh, you know, I want other people to reach out to me, but I still, what I want more than anything is to that connection. 
I don't care if I have right. to do the one reaching out. Like that's my skill. Sure. But yeah. it just takes like intentional connection. And I've had to work hard on that personally because I've just gone like, Oh, I'm a lone wolf. Like it's all cool, man. And like the yeah. last three or four years of doing men's work, it's like, wow, how wrong could I have been? And yeah. one of the things I say is like, especially as dads, lone wolves do not raise cubs. Right. Mm-hmm. And lone wolves end up dying or they go back to the pack. So I don't know where this idea came from that lone wolves yeah. were super cool, but they're not at all. No. Like they're weak it's, in nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Right. That, that's so funny that you use the term lone wolf because I, I used to do agency work and program development stuff. And one of my supervisors at the time, very smart, uh, Harvard educated woman, um, said, Seth, you do amazing work, but you're a lone wolf. Like, you know, and I, I was like, well, yeah, but I, I'm doing all this stuff and it's awesome. And she's like, I think you're missing the point. You could, it's like that saying, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? So I, like you, it sounds like, it's like, okay, I really have to work to like go together um, and make myself go together, not just be out there the lone wolfing all the time. And of course, there's times when silence and solitude is is key, right? But on on the most, on the whole, especially with my wife and especially guys listening with their wives, your wife didn't marry you to be a lone wolf. Your wife didn't marry you to be like um, alone in in the in the uh, marriage. You know what I'm saying? So uh, for guys who maybe that resonates with really look and take a look and go, oh man, okay, this doesn't serve me. It served me once before, but the lone wolf mentality isn't serving me right now. And especially as we get older, as we want that connection, as we want that sense of belongingness with other dudes, it's like, nope, you can't be a lone wolf. Sometimes you got to go first, but then bring other people along with you in that way. Yeah, man. Okay. I, I, um, this is such a natural flowing conversation. I think I've asked you maybe one question I had written down, which is beautiful. (laughs) And I really, I really appreciate your energy to be honest. Um, I'm very drawn to what you're saying and I agree so much just in my own life with whatever you're, what you're, what you're putting down here. But I'm trying to decide now between a couple of directions and perhaps we'll start with what you see in practice uh, around fathers in terms of when they're showing up to therapy, what the typical issues are. Is there like one or two points in a father's life that are more typical for him to wind up in that sort of Mack truck moment where he's like, Oh no, mm-hmm. here I am. Or is it, is it just too hard to say? Like, is there, is there a few times that are to watch out for, for the listeners? Like, okay, this is coming up, you know, age 10 is always this hard one. I don't know what you see, but is there anything like that? Um, well, in, in, as con- so with fathers, I think, cause I also did family therapy stuff and mostly it was the women bringing the kids, the moms bringing the, the kids and the families in, um, sometimes dragging the dads to it. But like, you know, that Mack truck analogy <clears throat> is really true. So I would ask the guys this, like in, in your relationship to your children or even to your wife, um, I'll give the analogy. So for those guys that, you know, drive a car or a truck or anything, you keep maintenance on your car. You change the oil, you monitor the tires, the fluids, all this stuff, right? Why not take that same mentality and apply it to your marriage and to your fatherhood, right? Because no, nobody, at least if, if they, you know, know anything about a car or whatnot, I mean, you don't have to work on the car, but it's like you just don't get in the car, turn the key and drive, you know you got to put gas in it. You know you have to keep the oil changed kind of thing. Nothing is not just like set it and forget it. And oftentimes we take for granted once we get married, once we have kids, that like, oh, they're fine. I'm just going to go do my thing, you know, um, and people will be fine. It's like, no, we cannot have a set it and forget it mentality. So one thing that we see, one thing that we w- would would be wise for dads in this is Hey, if there's th- anything off, is there if there's anything that you don't like about how the family is going, the relationship with your kids, uh, the relationship with your wife, set up some sort of th- family therapy moment, right? It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're crazy. I bet you $1,000 that your wife would really appreciate that check-in. Like, hey, I'm not saying anything. You know, the wheels aren't falling off, but check out this podcast I listen to, or, you know, the, these coaches have, you know, something cool going on. Let's, let's check it out. Um, oftentimes we, I think that the smart couples, um, 
come to us for high performance marriage coaching and things aren't falling apart. The wheels are not falling off. They're like, hey, we're doing pretty good and have been for quite a while. And we want to expound upon uh, what we know, what we're learning, and just want to make things better, right? And that's the couples that really kind of elevate their lives. When Melanie and I did coaching and invested the time and money in it, we were okay. We we were out of the woods, so to say, from the, the time that we were really in trouble. And we just knew that there was something more, and we wanted to elevate that. So I would encourage the guys um, to, yeah, the wheels don't have to be falling off. Uh, you can always improve on on something. Just look around. I can always sweep the floor more. I can always trim the trees. I can always cut the grass or beautify the lawn or whatever. You can always improve upon your marriage. Doesn't mean your marriage is terrible. Doesn't mean your family's terrible. No. You can always improve your marriage or your relationship with your kids, right? It was really funny. You were talking about kids and uh, we have a 14-year-old, our oldest, and he kind of went through this phase around 13 where he was just like, didn't want to hug, didn't want to do anything. He's just like very kind of, you know, teenage boy kind of thing. And I was like, oh, part of it made me sad because I remember him, you know, young, you know, wrestle and hug and goof around and stuff. And he kind of went away from that. And just recently, and I mean recently in the last week or so, I've been being intentional around spending more time with him, taking him snowboarding, playing basketball out in the driveway, going on a run yesterday. And guess what? He's now kind of coming back, like wrestling around, you know, giving me a punch in the arm, giving me a side hug like that. And that is the most rewarding feeling as a dad. It's like, okay, I'm doing something right. This is cool. And it it reminds me of that saying, you know, kids spell L-O-V-E-T-I-M-E, right? It's like spend time, spend time, because that's all they care about. Um, And that's one way to be really intentional and also to invest in your kids. Beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I want to talk about like the fundamentals now, I mm. think, because mm. we, we've been going all over the place. And I think that's super helpful because these are very pointed and poignant ideas for dads listening, uh, especially who are married, especially who have got kids in the home. But what do you consider the fundamentals? Like if someone's listening and going, okay, I'm not really there, not super fighting, but I'm also, like you said, maybe not at that level of like, I'm just learning myself how amazing marriage can be after 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been married in 10 years starting next week and it's phenomenal. And I'm like, wow, I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. I wish someone told me earlier that it wasn't just something you did and hopped from woman to woman like my dad did yeah. and just hope to find the next best thing. Creating that is beautiful. But what do you consider the foundational aspects of that? And maybe it's like the five points like you gave for the the mastermind you have. Maybe it's something else. Maybe we've talked about it already. And in any case, punt it back to me. I'm happy to go elsewhere. But what is a fundamental of a good relationship and a partnership and a marriage in your view? Mm. I would say that there's there's several. And I'm just thinking of my own life. So I'm just not like, you know, taking this from books or whatnot. Um, making sure that you share your gratitude to your partner, like being thankful. Hey, I I see what you're doing. I appreciate how you're showing up as a mother, as a partner, um, how you're contributing to the health of our family. Uh, Showing gratitude and appreciation really goes a long way. Um, Not only just like practicing gratitude practices for yourself individually, but within the relationship is really good. And I also have found that when I do what I say and say when I when I um, when I say what I mean and do the things that I say that I'm going to do relationship wise and also to myself, it always works better. Right. So then my wife is building that trust. I become a person, a man, a husband, a father that she can count on and rely on and trust. And that allows her to show up in different ways, too. So uh, keeping your word, building trust, uh, communication is huge, obviously. Um, asking questions, paying real attention to the ways that you do communicate, going back to like, you know, no sarcasm, no critical speak or speech, um, using words never, always. Really watch how you communicate to your partner because you have the power to really kind of shut down a person or light them up. Right. If I if I was like, hey, Kurt, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? You know, and just telling you, no, no, no. 
I mean, depending, I mean, obviously, you know, this is a podcast, so, you know, would get an argument or anything like that, but you'd be like, okay, what is this? That would give, that would, that would create an energy in the room, right? Or if I said, Kurt, so excited, man, your podcast is awesome. I love what you're doing. Keep up the amazing work. You'd be like, okay, that creates a good energy. So couples, men, especially in relationships have the power to really dictate, uh, and women have it too. I'm not saying that they don't, uh, to kind of like, uh, set the tone, Right there's this thing called mirror neurons. Right, um, usually we mirror the behavior that is coming towards us. Kids do this all the time. Right, um, like you usually smile if you see somebody smiling, kind of thing. That's a mirror neuron going on. Um, you have to spend time together. You have to go on intentional date nights where you're not talking about the kids, where you're not talking about work. We're just talking about things that you guys like to do. Reminiscing, like take time. A fellow Canadian of yours, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Peterson, talks about like it has to be a minimum of like 90 minutes a week with like 30 minute long other touch points within the week. Like you have to have that time. There's no kids, there's no work, there's no outside stress just to like connect with your partner physically, obviously, and emotionally. So those, those, a couple of things is like what I try to practice in, in my life and setting routines to where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm putting the phone down. I'm paying attention to you and you only. And um, that just creates an environment where you can grow, where you can build trust. And if you're not doing those things right now in your marriage, I would really encourage listeners to think about maybe the position you're in right now is because you haven't been implementing those things and give it a try. Pay attention. Like, oh man, I've really missed the mark. I've dropped the ball on on a couple of those things. I'm not going to do that anymore, right? And you have to show up and don't expect your wife or your partner to change just because you like listen to one podcast and like, hey, I'm going to try this out for a day. No, that's not how it works. Resolve to like dig in for, you know, three, four, five, six weeks and go, okay, I am changing. I am making this whether you change or not kind of thing. And, and this like that, that burn the boats mentality. If you want to take the Island, you got to burn the boats. I want this marriage to change. Um, and I'm going to do, I'm going to resolve to, to, to change. And most of the time the partner will see it and they'll go, Oh, okay, this is good. Let's keep this up. And then, you know, the same tide rises all boats and then you guys can elevate together. It's what we call a parallel process. You're on the same process and going in the same direction at the same time, close together. That's super cool, man. And it reminds me of, I think I heard this from Tim Ferriss. It's basically like, how are you complicit in creating the conditions you say you don't want? Yeah. And I think that's like just the responsibility piece. And um, I often tell guys that are coming to me with struggles. And I mean, I wish they would go to you because you're the expert. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes the guys will ask me like, you know, I don't know if this marriage is going to work. I'm going 50% in. And my advice is typically, could you go 100% in for 30 days? And see how that looks, because I almost guarantee you've never shown up at 100% being the man of her dreams in a way that sets, you know, obviously boundaries and and um, making sure that your needs are met in, in a similar sort of way. But mm-hmm. when have you ever been all in? And right. if you were, do you think that would change things? Um, and, and for the guys who do, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> whoops, didn't know I had so much power and not power over, but power to influence. I like to say, um, and I have a question now actually related to this. And I was told when we were going through, uh, pre marital counseling, um, we were told that the, the husband and the wife need to be the number one human relationship with one another. And so I take this sometimes say that it should be your wife even before your kids, And a lot of guys get triggered with this Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh no, what do you mean? Like my kids are so important to me and my wife's Mm -hmm. like, she's sort of beside me. But I really think that if you focus on the romantic relationship, that everyone benefits. And I wonder if you have any differing opinions. Yeah, I would actually add something to that. And, And guys can take this the wrong way really quickly. So hear me out. Put yourself first then your wife, then your kids. Because so many people have it backwards. They put their kids first or their wife first. This is where me and Melanie really got messed up. I was putting her first. 
and just forgetting my individuality. I was not differentiated. I wasn't wasn't happy or anything if she wasn't happy kind of thing. So it was completely backwards. First, I have to find it in myself, whatever that is, your identity, your purpose, all these things. You have to find it and then focus on your wife. Yes, she is your number one relationship because guess what? When both of you are up here, you know, batting 100, how do you think the kids are going to react to that? They're going to see their parents communicating in a very healthy way. They're going to see them happy. They're going to see them content. They're going to see them present. The kids are going to eat that up. They're going to go, oh, that, I mean, they're not going to say this out loud because they don't know, right? They'll just feel it. They're like, oh, mom and dad, I see them being affectionate. I see them communicating. I see them spending time. I see them like being respectful and positive to one another, then they're going to learn that, right? Often, going back to the family of origin piece, you and I right now are creating the family of origin of our kids. Think about that one, right? It's like, okay, I come from a family of origin, right? That's that's old. I mean, it still is you know, happening because my parents are still alive. But right here, right now, I am creating what my kids are learning, how to speak to people, how to treat their spouse, how to work, how to clean, how to love, how to communicate, all these things. So I would say... Uh, I mean, in some circles, you know, people would say, okay, spirituality is first, right? Then then your spouse, then you, which I think that's kind of backwards. I, I say, it's like, okay, get right yourself and then have a right marriage. It's like, I can't pour from an empty cup, right? If there's nothing left in my tank, how the hell am I going to like show up for my wife or my kids, right? First, it has to be me. Now, guys, do not misconstrue that and go, well, I heard this show, so I'm out to the bar with my buddies, putting myself first. You know, I'm checking out all these credit cards and doing this and this. No, that's the immature, that's the masculine immature thing to do, right? It's like, no, invest in yourself through podcasts, through all these other things that you know are going to be good. Get right yourself. Then you can show up for your wife. So yes, I, I agree with that, but with the caveat of like yourself, your wife, then kids. Amazing, man. I'm glad you, I'm glad you did that. That is absolutely how it, how it feels to be. And I think it's right as well to give guys the general idea of what self-care means. Mm -hmm. Like this does not mean you just get to go, you know, numb out like usual. Mm -hmm. This is growth for you. This is alone time for you potentially. If that, what is, that is what lights you up and makes you feel better. But for me, it's walks by myself in the morning it's going to the gym first thing before anyone's up it's meditating it's doing some yoga it's going for a run it's hanging out with with good intentional friends maybe once or twice a month and just getting that time in Mm -hmm. and that way like i show up better i I, like you said i fill up my cup and i can fill up everyone's cup yeah and I, i really think the point you made as well is important that as fathers, we are literally writing the future. We are mm. authoring the future because what you said about the family of origin, we are a product of our parents and our family of origin. Therefore, it's very clear our children will be a product of us. And I mm. want to just hammer this into guys' heads because the responsibility that that you know, begets, um, gives birth to, creates whatever, is enormous. Like imagine if you, you are probably more impactful in your child's life than any other single person in the world. And your kid will then go out there and live in the world and have perhaps a family of their own. And then that will be because of you. Mm -hmm. So why aren't you taking this as like the most number one, most impactful thing you could do in your life as a father of authoring this the right way? So what do you want your story to be in the future, as I like to say, guys, sometimes. So um, I don't know if anything comes up on that. I want to be respectful of time. So uh, do you have anything to close with that we didn't touch on or maybe on just this point? Well, just to, to, to that point, uh, there's this saying in, in um, parenting, more is caught than taught, right? Like kids are watching, they're listening, they're, they know what's going on, right? So more is caught than taught. In fact, my kids have said so many times, they're like, hey, dad, remember when you said that thing? I'm like, no, you know, I have no idea kind of thing. And especially when I was doing therapy with um, uh, young teenage boys, it's like, oh, yeah, that thing you said a year and a half ago. I'm like, I literally have no idea. They're like, yeah, that stuck with me. And I, you know, think about it every day. You're like, wow, more is caught than taught, you know, like even even the fact, do you put your grocery cart back, you know, at the at the grocery store? Do you hold a door for an old lady? Do you, you know, if somebody drops a wallet in front of you, you know, do you do you you take it and run or do you give it back to the person kind of things like more is caught than taught. So really pay attention to how you're walking, how you're talking and what you're thinking, because your kids are absolutely watching 100 percent all the time. 
Man, this one has fired me up, like really, really fired me up. I'm so Good, grateful man. for your time and your wisdom. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Yeah, they can go to anatomyofus.com. There we have, uh, so we have a, a podcast, all things related marriage, you know, sex, family, everything. And then also we have a uh, Patreon only podcast, and they can go to patreon.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. You can also go to badasshusband.com to find out more about the mastermind group to really equip yourself with other growth mindset guys. And then for the ladies, my wife also started a mastermind and they can find that at anatomyofus.com forward slash women's group coaching. So anything, it's all there on Instagram, anatomy of us, Facebook as well. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast as usual. So you can find Seth and everything that he just mentioned there as well as everything we talked about and uh, yeah check out his podcast check out his programs work with him i mean i'm i feel like i want to work with you and i don't even feel like i i want to do anything i just want to hang out with you man so like <laughs> thank you for doing this thank you for just sharing your wisdom i really appreciate it absolutely man thank you so much for having me on we really appreciate it Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.